Our podcast has been nominated for five spin awards. I would like to thank you for listening and also for your votes to the nominating committee at the spin awards. Thank you all so much for recognizing our moments of grace. And we pray that you have a day of grace. Thank you. This is your host, Dr. Adrian Butler, and welcome to A Moment of Grace. It is, let me tell you something, let me tell you. When you, when you take in the weather report and the weatherman tells you that it is sunny or he tells you that it's rainy and it doesn't quite go the way you were expecting it, I, I want to tell you and I want to share this story with you before I bring on my guest. To thank God, even for the cloudy days, 1945, <clears throat> there was a little known city that most of us in America don't know about, unless you're kind of a history geek like me. Uh, the city's name is Cora Cora. Um, 1945, the, the city of Cora Cora had uh, a cloudy day. I, I can imagine when the people got up in this Japanese city, most of them felt, well, my goodness, it's, it's a bad day, it's raining, it's cloudy, and let me go to work the whole gamut. Um, the thing about Kura Kura is, to end the Second World War, we dropped two nuclear bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. The truth of the matter is, the first target was Cora Cora. But because there was a cloudy day, 80,000 people did not die that day. See, see, we complain about a lot of things that go on and we don't understand sometimes. Yes, I know the bomb was dropped somewhere else, but for those 80,000 people in Cora Cora, a cloudy day saved their lives. See, it's easy to complain about the cloudy day. It's easy when we get the weather report to say they already plan our day and say how good or bad it's going to be. But when I, I, I take solace in the gospel when it says, be content in all things. My guest today is uh, a podcaster, he's a father, a husband, and uh, I really enjoy his show. He's, he's, he's something else. I really, really enjoy his podcast, and I want to welcome William Wally with me. William, how are you doing? I'm fantastic. That was quite a build-up you had. I don't know if I'm going to be able to hold up to that, uh, that phrase you just dropped. That's you, an amazing you, story also, right? I'm a history guy myself. I didn't know many folks actually knew that story. Well, most people do not. Like I said, I'm a history geek. I'm a, a retired vet. And so stuff like that, I, I seek to uh, to kind of elevate my audience a little bit. I, I want my folk to be intellectually um, <laughs> engaged. <laughs> but uh, tell tell the audience about yourself there, Well, first of all, I want to start off. Uh, you said you were a vet. I want to thank you for your service. Proud I'm to serve, my friend. Supporter of the military. I'm also a huge supporter of the police in general. Uh, so I, I know that's. It doesn't sit too well with folks right now, but uh, I had previous experience in the law enforcement arena. So, I mean, I, I know what they're going through. So uh, I, I want to thank you for your service, though, because without guys like you, you know, we'd be we'd be sitting under another flag right now. Well, I appreciate that, my friend. I'm so proud because uh, I'm fourth generation. My kids are fifth generation. Uh, my grandfather actually served in World War II on the USS Franklin. Um, over um, 800 men uh, died on uh, a kamikaze um, explosion on that on that uh, cruiser, but my grandfather um, was one that survived. And so uh, we, as a family, we consider ourselves a military family. We have, for my grandfather, we have 18 of us all together that have served this nation with distinction. So again, with the stuff that I see that's going on, it's, it's kind of um, uh, 
I, 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 I don't want to, I don't want to insult anybody. I say there are people that are patriots and people that are patriots. But um, I believe my family are patriots. We uh, have spilled blood on on um, other other lands. And um, like I said, I have a son that was in the Navy, and my daughter served in in Afghanistan. So proud to serve. And I think to me now, I don't know how you feel. Uh, I feel everybody needs to um, serve two years at least. And I think it would give everybody a shot in the arm of what it takes for this nation to be uh, free and to understand we're in this together. Um, when you don't have, when you, everybody has their own individual story, then we have our own individual um, thought process. But I'd say with the military, at least with the military, everybody would at least have somewhat of a same story. Anyway, that's my diatribe. I'm off of my soapbox. Hey, Tell us a little bit more about you, my friend. Uh, um, my name's William Wally. I'm uh, 50 years old. Been married for uh, 29 years. I uh, got a anniversary coming up in uh, this upcoming February. I got three kids, uh, three amazing kids. Uh, it's got to be the grace of God that, that uh, guided myself, my wife, raising them because uh, we've had very little trouble with any of the three. That's a blessing. Um, and in this day and time, that's that's a miracle. That's that's truly a miracle from God. Because uh, uh, because I'm I'm also a youth pastor. I've been a youth pastor uh, for 25 years. Well, actually, 25 plus years. I actually took a small sabbatical for about five and a half or six years. I was uh, working a job that took me out of the area. Okay. And uh, and I'll tell you, I'm I'm glad God brought me back to the ministry because um, that was that five five and a half six years. I not only fell out of actual active ministry. I, I pretty much fell out of church and everything. I didn't, I wasn't attending regularly because uh, I used the job as an excuse. You know, I was always too busy to go. So I was glad he brought me back. Um, and then of course, like we were talking about before we got started, uh, when you and I were just chatting, um, this, the end of this calendar year will be the end of my, what I consider institutional youth ministry. Um, Stepping away, stepping out on faith, you know, doing what God leads me to do, to uh, do more um, rally types and, and retreats, conventions, um, you know, more of a evangelical, you know, a, wa a wandering gypsy of evangelical proportions, I guess, would be the easiest way to explain it. Um, I've made a lot of contacts throughout the years, and, um, you know, I just, that's where I think God's leading me, like I said. Youth ministry is a young man's game, and at 50 yeah. years old, I'm really a dinosaur in the youth ministry. So, um, you're right, I, my I, friend. I was uh, I was a youth minister uh, when I got got out of the uh, got out of the military, and I, I tell you what. But one thing I can say, and, and that may be may may be why you're still there. I learn more from my young people with the questions they ask. They challenge me more than any of my adults because as adults we just kind of don't want to ask questions because uh we are pseudo know-it-alls um but with young people when they are studying um biology and they're studying uh, darwinism in school and they ask you how do you marry the bible with what i'm learning it challenges you it really challenged you to go on your knees and, and get in your word and, and do some study. And I don't know if you, you've gone through any of that or not, um, William, I don't know or not, but uh, if you have, share it. If you haven't, then we'll move on. <laughs> they, they, that old TV show, Kids Say the Darnest Things. And exactly. <laughs> and uh, I've noticed uh, generationally, um, you know, for example, the very first youth group I ever worked with and the group I'm working with currently, they are light years different. Um, yes. The group, the current group I'm dealing with, I love the, this batch of kids. They're fantastic young people, but they are extremely challenging. Um, They're—I don't know if they're over medicated or under medicated, or I don't know what the deal is. I just know there's certain nights that the, that uh, the devil seems to work his way into the lesson about as quickly as the Lord does. So uh, gotcha. it's not a struggle. Hmm. Um, like I said, I some of my proudest moments in youth ministry, I've got, um, as a matter of fact, I just talked to a young man the other day. He's being placed at the church. Um, 
somewhere in uh, the Poconos. He was going to give me the address when, when they arrived, but he makes the 11th youth that has been part of a group that I've been fortunate enough to lead to move on into some capacity of ministry, either vocational wow. corporate or youth ministry or children's ministry. So, uh, you know, those are my, some of my proudest moments there. Praise of course, God. you know, any young person at any event I've been at that I've been a part of actually helping lead in Christ, you know, that's that's those game-changer moments that keep you going when you just don't feel like going anymore. So, um, like I said, I I don't know, uh, I guess that, all those years of dealing with all those young people and hearing all those, those stories and questions and course just life in general things that I've done throughout my life uh, crazy jobs I've had or or, uh, just interesting things I've done at different jobs or stuff I've seen Um, I I guess that's why what spawned my podcast I I wasn't one of those that you know the pandemic hit and it's like you know what I'm not busy enough let me just start a podcast exactly exactly it's kind of ironic that my podcast, my very first episode was um, January the 27th of this year. Right. Now, that, now, if I tell you that, and that's all I told you, you think, well, this guy was another one sitting around quarantine. You know, he just started a podcast. Mm-hmm. So I, I'd, I'd had a concept of, of doing a podcast, it seems like, for years. I just didn't really know what to do or, or when I did research a little bit I just I didn't have time um, and I still don't have time really because uh, I'm still working a 40 hour a week job um, you know it's, it's, it's a lot like a podcast is a lot like mentioning you, you, uh, you don't make you know a, a, a pile of money uh, I've never got in ministry uh, I won't get rich in podcasting unless I land some kind of Joe Rogan type deal so <laughs> It's it's definitely a job. How, how many um, how many do you release a week? I know we um, uh, I, I do two uh, a week, and and that that almost wears me out. Yeah, I'm in season two. Okay. And uh, in season one, I had I did twenty. Uh, it was supposed to be twenty four episodes. That was my number for some okay. crazy reason. Twenty four seemed like a perfect number, okay. but because I did some kind of best of and some fans' choice stuff at the end of the season, it actually ended up being twenty five episodes. Um, but I, at that time, I was doing two a week on a Tuesday and on a Friday. Okay. And in season two, I just decided that I, I just can't I can't keep up that pace. So I started one a week every Friday, where you have the weekend of, you know to listen, check it out, and. Um, but then, of course, I went you know, 17 weeks down to Kelvin. I'm like, well, I need to fill in some of this stuff. So I have 17 episodes that air on Fridays. Okay. And then I have what I call like Tuesday tasters. Like I have randomly scheduled Tuesday episodes. Uh, situation word, for example, if I'm interviewing somebody and I just can't shut them down like I, the, the content's just too good to stop them right so we'll right keep going and then i split the episode into two parts you know stuff like that of course uh, and like i said yes i'm uh tomorrow actually uh, which i don't know what day this episode is actually going to air but uh friday august the 28th will be my season finale okay. uh, for season two and then i'll I have a season three preview episode where I'll kind of preview some of the stuff I got going on for season three. And then, uh, you know, I'm 50. Matter of fact, my last episode published is my 50th. And okay. if you'd have told me in February that I would have hung in there and put 50 episodes together, I'd tell you it's crazy. <laughs> because when I first got started, it, it was really fun to start with. And then, right. it, you know, if I'd have stayed on that breakneck two episodes a week mm-hmm. I would I'd have shut it down already because it's just too much going on um, and I honestly I don't see how in the world and I understand yeah, I, I, I see podcasts and stuff on YouTube and all of them they're publishing content every exactly. day yeah, how yeah. the world can, it, it, can even a team of people put it out every day so uh, I don't know it's just crazy. Um, well, what I do is I um, I um, I do one day a month, and I just kind of do a blitzkrieg. Um, 
you know, you you you're my sixth interview this day. <laughs> you know? oh, wow! And so I, I'll, I, because I'm just entirely too busy. I have a business. I have uh, you know a ministry. We uh, we build homes for the homeless, um, the uh, Grace Project Homes, and uh, don't pastor anymore. But um, you know, people are still calling for prayer and still scheduling me for weddings and and all the other things. And then um, kind of like yourself, you know, I have four kids, but uh, you have three. Um, but uh, I'm not smart as you. I started over again. So when my, my youngest son was 17 uh, and um, I made the decision with my wife to, well, you know, she said, well, what do you want to do? I said, I think I want to have another kid. And uh, we had already been looking at some sports cars and so I chose the kid instead of sports cars. And I always tell her, you know, you're my Ferrari, right? Okay. I just want to make sure, <laughs> make sure you understand. I had a chance to, to, to buy, uh, to, to spend $120,000 another way, but I, I chose you. So. <laughs> my, my, my three, uh, you know, they range in age from, from 30 to, to 20. Yeah, we're and, in the same uh, boat, my friend. That's why I said you're smarter than I. When you got to to your 20 year old, you stopped. When I got to my, when like I said, he was 17. We decided to start over again. So. <laughs> well, see, the two the two youngest ones, everything uh -huh. was fine. It was just me and my wife. Both of them had you know, started. You know, one was in college, about to finish up. One was starting college, and I had it all figured out. You know, in four or five years, the house would be empty, everything, and right. then the quarantine hit. And now I've got two college kids at the house that I was paying for to live somewhere else and to eat somebody else's groceries. Everybody else's food, right? They're home back on my payroll and they're eating all my groceries. So, right. um, you know, I, like I said, if uh, which now my oldest one's out, she's married, doing her own thing. And uh, yeah. um, and like I said, the other two can't wait to get out. And I joke with them all the time. I said, I can't wait for you to get out. See, I'm in total, see, see we are in agreement. <laughs> the, uh, a three-quarter <laughs> Not easily we broken. Are, we are absolutely of the same accord. I said, I promise you. So, uh, but yeah. they want to get out to their own thing, and I'm ready. You know, I think they're ready. I, we, me and my wife, have you know, we have done everything we can that the Lord has allowed us to do in raising these children, and it's time for them to go out and spread their wings and do their own thing. And so we'll see how it turns out. I mean, uh, you know, my parents did the best they could with me, and then. Lord only knows I ended up you know, getting married, moving out. I didn't really, you know, I thought I knew everything. You know, when you're a young guy or a young lady, you know everything. You think you, you do, right. In the building. And right. um, it's kind of weird in my situation because my dad um, was, like I said, he was military, retired military, uh, was medically retired. He was having some pulmonary issues. And, um, we didn't know how bad it was. And he wasn't really sharing how bad it was. I mean, we, we, him and the doctor had kind of decided that he wasn't going to burden us with all this. And, um, you know, it, it progressed a little faster than I think he even expected. So we actually, man, my wife got married in February of uh, 1991. And my dad passed away December the 11th of 1991. I'm sorry. So before I could get the opportunity to kind of tap into his you know, marital wisdom and what to do and what not to do. He was gone. So I gotcha. So you kind of had to learn on the fly. Sad thing was, you know, which I give my wife all the credit because you know she was a young bride. Of, we were just two children, you know, trying to do this married thing and raise kids, and and it's been a struggle. But like I tell people, everything's a struggle. You you're not going to anything you get for free is really never truly free. There's That's always right. a price. Pay for it, so. There's always a price. And we but, did. We learned it through, you know, bumping our head and, you know, learning. Uh, I, I tell my kids all the time, you know, if I'm, if I'm telling you something, it's for your own good. It's not just to hear, you know, my head rattle. Right. I, I want to let you know this is something I did that was a mistake or it was incorrect. And I want you not to fall in that thing. But, you know, eventually, you just gotta let you know, kids be kids because they they think they know everything. So, that's it. and that's what I tell these young people at church. I said, look, I'm not telling you this to scold you, and I'm not telling you this to belittle you or berate you. I'm telling you this to warn you. This is a warning. Don't do it. Exactly. 
Well, William, let's, let's take a uh, I need to take a, a little break so we can we can put some uh, some ads in the middle here and and put some meat on the table and we want to stay on the air. So <laughs> if when we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about your uh, your ministry and and let's talk about what you what you feel what what you feel God is leading you to do in 2021. Uh, we know one piece of your journey is ending in 2020. A lot of change for all of us. So you are really getting ready to step into uh, a new uh, venture for the Lord, 2021, how that's going to go, you know, if you're going to be doing evangelism work, or you may or may not even know what direction you're going in. But when we come back, let's talk about that, my friend. Hey, when we started this podcast on January 5th, 2020, never thought that we would have the acclaim that we have and touch the lives that we have. It has been such a blessing and we could not have the achievements or couldn't even stay on the air without you. I want to thank you so much and ask you today to partner with us here on Moments of Grace. You can come in at any level. And when you do, I'll send you my latest book, Managing the Miracle. And I want to thank you in advance for being a partner of Moments of Grace. Have you ever wanted to learn how to trade in the stock market, maybe foreign exchange, or even how to buy investment property? Check out this company that is teaching beginners how to become winners in the markets. It is TradeAcademyPro.com. Again, TradeAcademyPro.com. And we're back. This is Moments of Grace. Happy to have you here with me. I need to make a correction. Uh, his the podcast is World of Wally. Now, Wally's World, you, you, you all know, I got to say now, um, you, you all know that I'm, I'm a trader. I'm an investor. I made a ton of money off of Walmart. Uh, <laughs> but we, don't, we want to make sure that we keep trademarks separate. So it is uh, not Wally's World, but World of Wally. Uh, as we, we get ready to uh, bring William back on, um, I, I want you to kind of think about something, about how much you pay attention to what's going on with, I call them weapons of, not mass destruction, but weapons of mass distractions. How much distraction goes on in your life? Think about this. Think about this for just a moment. <clears throat> the Bible always talks about eagles. Um, when you understand what an eagle is and you understand kind of the, um, uh, this, this beautiful domestic, uh, majestic animal, um, I have, when an eagle is in flight, think about it now, there can be an earthquake, but because the eagle is above the fray above the chaos he's never affected think about this if when we see things that are weapons of mass distraction when the chaos is going on the bible tells us to mount up on wings of eagles if we could just get ourselves to a position that we can rise above the fray like an eagle the earthquake doesn't matter the volcanoes don't matter the tornadoes don't even matter because even the eagle flies above the chaos. When there's a storm, this bird flies above the clouds. You've got to kind of get your mind in a majestic place that I see a lot of things that are going on, but I'm above the fray. You can't do it by yourself. Your wings are going to have to be connected to love and they're going to have to be connected to Jesus Christ. William, welcome back to Moments of Grace. Glad to be back, brother. That's a powerful word you just provided right there. Well, I pray somebody gets something out of it, my friend. 
you got you have a journey getting ready to start for you in 2021. Let's talk a little bit about that and that process because you've been doing youth ministry all of these years. You know, it's kind of like driving down the road and then all of a sudden, you know, you get a phone call that tells you, I need you to go in another direction. Well, I've been traveling this way for so long, but I need you to go in another direction. So now God is getting ready to take you in another direction in 2021. Share with us that process because there could be another evangelist, could be another pastor, could be another young man or young woman listening to us that uh, struggles with the Abrahamic call. And I say the Abrahamic call in that when God tells us to go somewhere, to go in the direction, Abraham, which means father of the faith, Abram rather, which means father of the faith, didn't ask any questions, he just went. Uh, Moses argued with God tried to give God all the excuses. And that's what most of us will do. But God has given you this, this Abrahamic call to uh, evangelize in 2021. Sh share with us that process, my brother. Well, let me first of all start off by saying that I'm, I probably have leaned more toward Moses uh, during <laughs> my, my throughout the years than I have Abraham. Gotcha. Um, I mean, to really to go back um, like I said, I, I, I stepped away from the ministry for about five and a half years. And um, after the, the excuse, the job that I had, the excuse, I, I changed gears. I've I left that uh, employment opportunity and went to another one. And it gave me the opportunity to, to come back to the area because I wasn't even living in the area that I'm in now. Um, I didn't have any more excuses at that point. I, I had to get plugged back in. And it was wonderful to get plugged back in. You know, in a more conscious situation, especially in a, with my church family. And after being back in the church and kind of just soaking it all up and, and you know, finding myself as close to God as I had needed to be, not, you know, I, I wanted to be, or at least I thought I wanted to be, I needed it. So after getting an opportunity, you know, like a plant to just soak up the water, um, you know, the Lord put it on my heart, you know, look, it's, I didn't, you know, you called the youth ministry for a reason. I, you know, you don't, you don't leave when, when you want to. You leave when I direct you to. That's right. Uh, and you technically never leave ministry. Look, I That's learned right. that a long time ago. My, my grandfather, my dad's dad, um, was a United Methodist minister for 32 years. Wow. And he retired, you know, but even after he retired, it was like you were saying earlier, he was still called to do funeral exactly. He was called to do weddings. He was still mm -hmm. called. Counseling and everything. So far, mm -hmm. Never. First of all, everybody, technically, every saved individual on this planet, every Christian, every believer should be a minister. They should be out ministering to everybody. Um, you know, they, the, the scripture tells you to go out into all, you know, yes. all the nations. That's right. And, and proclaim the word of God. And I try to tell these young people all the time, look, your world you know, it's not Bangladesh or it's not, you know, Southeast Asia. It's not, you know, somewhere in Europe. It's right out your front door. That's right. So we should be ministering to everybody we come in contact with, especially in the times that we're living now. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I'm sorry, I, I digress. Let me jump back into what we were talking about. Oh, you're fine, my friend. So, you're fine. Here's my deal. Um, the Lord brought me back into youth ministry with the current group I'm working with now. Um, these young people, the majority of them were like ninth grade. Uh, I had a couple of tenth graders. Well, this group is now, you know, the, the bulk of this group is now graduating. And, um, you know, the Lord, six, six, eight months ago, put on my heart and said, Look, you know, this is, you won't walk away from youth ministry. I'm going to continue to use you. You're, you are broken open. You are my best one. Poor I word into you and you would have poured out among you know among the nations. So I know I'll always when I'm if I've lived to be a hundred years old, I'll still be professing and proclaiming God to everybody I can talk to. But in this current situation, he's he's given me this doorway to actually move on to just a different chapter of my ministry at this point. And about uh, well it goes all the way back to um I guess about the third or fourth year I was in ministry, which would have been the middle 90s. 
um, I was given the opportunity to be part of a um, what well, we we refer to it. And this is what we call the event. It's called Pray Away, which is an event where we take uh, we live in South Mississippi. Okay. Uh, we take a group of youth, or a group or a, a collection of youth, um, to the Gatlinburg Pigeon Forge area, and okay. we don't go there for a for a already established conference or, or a youth gathering at any time, which they have plenty of them up there. Um, I was part of a group as a chaperone um, that went there, uh, like I said, in the middle 90s, 94, 95. A dear, blessed friend of mine, another youth pastor named Dale Jones from Birmingham, Alabama, was actually the leader of the group. Okay. And I saw the vision. Like, he and I had a shared vision about what that could become. Hmm. And even after he left and went to another church, went back to the state of Alabama to serve at another church, every opportunity I got to take a youth group, if I was an active youth pastor in a church or just an attendee of a church, I worked alongside a youth minister or ministry group to try to get this, this uh, trip every year. And what we did, we scheduled it on the long weekend in January. So, when the kids were out school, the, the Martin Luther King Junior Weekend, hmm. they were able to get out on Friday, they would go up on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and come back on Monday. So we were able to, and over the years, I've been able to kind of streamline the process to where it's travel up, we get a, we get a session in on Friday night, uh, you know, Saturday we work in two sessions, Sunday, I work in the final, the closeout session, we pack up and come home on Monday. So I pretty much streamlined the process. Gotcha. Um, it was kind of rough in the beginning, because like with everything, you know, it's about planning. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's kind of the cornerstone of where the Lord started putting upon my heart. You know, that you would be able, uh, this is a, a vehicle that we could use to minister to young people. You know, gotcha. um, matter of fact, I'm, I'm taking that this. In January, I will be there. Is a, a group, another youth pastor friend of mine, who's planning on taking his group. Uh, this group is at the church I'm currently at now. We'll have them. We're, we're looking at about, we'll probably have 35 to 40 youth. Wow. Um, it'll be the largest group that I've ever tried to pull off with this. I mean, it's, and that's if I'm able to work with some people that have been blessed individuals in the Gatlinburg area that have helped me off and on for years. If we can accommodate that many, that's how many we're going to have. And okay. my goal is just to have, you know, I'd, I'd love to have 75 to 100 young people that, right. that weekend every year. Right. And that'll be kind of the cornerstone of, you know, what I would like, you know, the Lord to use me for. You know, that, that mission field, that would be like a static, um, you know, a very locked-in location that we can kind of base the whole uh, evangelical journey around. And then, of course, you know, I'm, I'm going to be able to go anywhere. If if the Lord tells me, look, um, I'm going to put a, a pastor, a youth pastor, or a senior pastor, I'm going to put them in contact with you, and they're in, I don't know, Seattle, Washington, let's say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but I also know if the Lord's going to do that, He's also going to make a provision for me to be able to actually go to that location and yeah. provide. Whatever guides He provides, that's right. I love, I love talking to young people. Um, my presentation, and you can, and any young person that I've had under my under my wing for the last, you know, 25, 30 years, will tell you, I'm the realest guy in the room. I don't, I don't force scripture on my young people. Mm-hmm. I do scripture to them. I try to present it in a way that they can understand it. Um, I also uh, try to meld real world I mean stuff they deal with every day exactly and, and I talk to them I, I, I try my best to talk to them like they you know they want to be adults and I try to I try to respect them and try to talk to them like an adult hmm. and if they become childish in their ways right I, 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 I you, accordingly right I do it accordingly but like I said they will tell you that yeah, I've had visitors come to groups that I've worked with, and they go home and tell their parents, "Man, that's the realest guy I've ever talked to." Because I talk to them, I don't talk to them about 
but for example, I'll talk to them about the topic of sex, of right. marital sex or stuff right. like that, mm-hmm. in a very childish way. Because let's be honest, with all the info, the, just a flood of information these young folks are exposed to. Yes, Lord. Mm-hmm. I can learn stuff from them. They can tell me stuff. That's <laughs> You're right. <laughs> You're right, my brother. I did a, I did a lesson a few weeks ago on the evils of TikTok. And mm-hmm. you'd have thought I was burning the church. Oh, morning. of course. You you just seeing. That's, that's most like, of these young people people's profits on on TikTok. They're the profits of contemporary uh, culture. How dare you? I said, I said, guys, let me tell you something. Uh, TikTok, you need to get off of TikTok is a pure element of evil. Mm-hmm. Just like I have people that you know attack me because I'm not a fan of Twitter. Twitter is the absolute gateway to hell. Mm-hmm. I think. More, I see more division caused on a by a tweet than mm-hmm. I have, you know, two people just having a conversation that turn into a confrontation. Right. That's the thing I find the funniest is how these young people become so defensive about stuff that you tell them or you try to teach them is not good for them. And it goes from a conversation to a confrontation in like a the bat of an eye. I mean I don't I don't understand that. I understand when I was their age, yes, I was quite rebellious, but uh, I'm dealing with some young people like in my current group, you know, about 70% of my group, which on a, on a good night, I'll run 18 to 20. Uh, you know, I've had as many as 30 or 35, but mm-hmm. if I've got 20 young people here, you know, my, what I consider some of my base group, yeah. you know, 75% of them I know are, are, are they professed to be Christian, you know, I don't, I don't technically know that, mm-hmm. but I mean, I, I have to go by what they tell me. I see a lot of their actions and, and their, their deeds and their words, and I, I feel confident that they are. Right. Like I said, you know, nobody knows the, the, the heart of another man. I don't really, I can only pray to God and ask Him, look, if they are truly saved, mm-hmm. make them evident to the world that they are. That's right. So. You know, like I said, but 75% of them profess to be Christians, but then when I try to tell them that what they're doing is against Scripture, like I said, the conversation turns to confrontation. And like my problem was when I was their age, if I heard something I didn't like, especially when I was, and I'm going to be honest with you, when I was their age, I was being forced to go to church. Like, church was the last thing on my mind when I was. 13, 14, 15, 16 years old. So you were um, like most of us, you had a uh, you, you you had a drug problem, you were drugged to church? Well, here's my problem. <laughs> I, I, I would be considered a burnt toast kid. Gotcha. Uh, it, it didn't matter on Sunday, but my dad, my, here, was, here was the way my dad handled that. My dad told me on Friday and Saturday night, if I wasn't working somewhere, which I tried, you know, my, my dad you know, actively solicited me to get out and get a job. Okay. Trust me, I wanted to be somewhere where I was having to work and get paid for it. Because working at the house, because I, I grew up in the country, and I mean in the woods country, not just, I'm not talking about on the outskirts of town like City Park and you know, wherever you live. I'm talking about in the woods. Gotcha, and gotcha. We farmed and we, and we hauled hay. I mean, when you haul hay in the summertime for extra cash, that kind of explains my child that, that was growing up. So. You couldn't get a kid today to, to actually haul hay. Oh, you can't get most of them to cut the grass this day. And we're, we're not bashing the kids, but I'm just being honest. That wasn't even considered at my house. You cut the yard at my house. That's right. And my dad would be like, you know, we're like, we didn't do allowances at my house either. My dad was like, here's your allowance. Mm-hmm. Roof over your head, clothes on your back, bed to sleep in, you know. <laughs> That's air right. conditioning and all that kind of stuff. That's so right. I never questioned. But you got kids now, you know, they cut a yard, they want twenty five or thirty dollars oh, yeah. or more. Yard, yeah. Like a, like twenty by twenty. It's not even a real yard. Right. We cut we cut five acres at my house with a lawnmower and then we you know, we get a bush hog out and work on the rest of it. So Wow. wow. Some of you might not even know what I'm talking about with a bush hog. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, but back then I just, but I wasn't saved. I mean, so I was drove to church. My dad used to tell me, look, Friday, Saturday night, if you're not working, you stay as long as you want. I I remember having zero curfew, zero. I don't ever remember my dad enforcing a curfew on me. Right. Okay, you know, I was able to drive. But 
he gave me some of the best advice ever. He told me, he said, you know what, I'm not going to tell you when to come home, but I'm going to tell you this. He said, nothing good ever comes after yep. midnight. After midnight, yep. That's, that's, that's my mom and dad said too. Some kind of trouble. Yeah. Doing stuff like that done, you know, smoking some dope or drinking mm-hmm. alcohol or, you know, carousing. Some kind of trouble. I mean, just stupid stuff. Mm-hmm. And I told y'all, tell my youngsters, I told my kids, I said, look, I'm not going to tell you when to come home. You're going to know when to come home. You're going to know when you're presented with that situation that you need to get away from it. Lord's going to tell you, get out of here. And you need to listen to him. That's right. So, That's right. like I said, I, I wasn't saved back then. Yeah, I wasn't. As a matter of fact, I wasn't saved until, uh, you know, I was, well, let's say 1992, June of 1992. I mean, I was already married by the time I actually found salvation. I mean, true salvation. Now, let right. me back up. You know, I, I probably had a salvation experience or two when I was younger, but that, I mean, truly, I, I knew I was truly saved in 92. Gotcha. Um, I actually was at a, an event, a, just, a, just a quick salvation story here. You might enjoy it. You listeners might enjoy it. Me and my wife had, had not been married long, and it was not going like I was expecting. I, I had seen marriages on television that were just, you know, back then they presented like what I consider unreal marriage. Leave it a cleaver, and, and, and yeah, I, I, I got you. I saw that kind of stuff. You know, I saw. I was growing up on stuff like growing pants for the yeah. pants were like perfect pants and I wondered why my pants were what was wrong with my pants why right. they be <laughs> so I just didn't know I guess so but I I had a friend of mine Mr. Elwood D'Angelo that I went to another church um, here in Columbia and I was like I said I was a Methodist that was out in uh, Kokomo which is an even smaller place in Columbia and he told me one he told me one week, one Monday or Tuesday, he told me, he said, Hey, he said, are you available this weekend? I said, Yeah, I'm off this weekend. He said, Man, why don't you go to Dallas with us? We're going to uh to an event out there called Promise People. Oh, I yes. had no idea what he was talking about. You know, I, wow. I, I, all he had to tell me was that Bill McCarty was uh, was the kind of the founder of it and mm-hmm. I knew who he was. He was mm-hmm. ex coach of Colorado Buffalo. Mm-hmm. So I had kind of followed his flight. And then he told me, and it's going to be in the in the stadium at Dallas. I'm talking about the old, not Jerry right. World. I I'm got talking you. About, talking about the old one where, you know, where they had the hole in the roof. Yeah, God yeah, and yeah. Yeah, that kind of stuff. And I'm thinking, man, I and a whole weekend where I don't have to listen to my wife griping and complaining mm-hmm. or yelling at me about something. Fantastic. So I load up with them and we take off. We jump in the old microbus, old church microbus, and it seems like we drove for three days. Um you know, it was hours, but it seemed like days. So we get over there and we get checked in. We go to the convention the first night. And the very, not the very first speaker, but mm. the second speaker that takes the podium um, is, is the chaplain. And I said, this, this is what's so crazy about the story. I couldn't tell you what the guy's name was. Mm. He was the chaplain at that time of the Colorado Buffaloes football team. Gotcha. And he got up, he, he, uh, he challenged us about how far could you throw a football? I mean, mm-hmm. yards. And I was an athlete all through high school and into college, so I'm like, mm, because it was just crazy, you know, 40 and 50 and 60 yards. And then finally, some guy, he said, how about 70 yards and some absolute moron up in about the 900th level? I mean, he was so high up, he, like you couldn't even see the, the people that were so high up in the state. Right. Because they had like 66,000 men. So he said, come on down. Well, he lets this guy get about halfway. I mean, he literally lets this guy walk. Like, we watch him going down the corridor, concourse, concourse. He's just about to feel level, and then he holds up the football that he wants him to throw, and it's completely flat. I mean, there's mm. not a in it. And he said, look, do you think you can do this? He said, of course you can. He said, this football represents you if you don't know God. My God. He said, without the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is like the air in yes. this football. Out it, you are defeated and you are deflated. Yes. And the more from that point on, it just clicked. Like I felt the Lord speak to me in that moment, and I can't tell you another word that He said after that. Like it was just like you're underwater and you hear people talking, but you can't make it out. And and the saddest part of all is they were two more speakers that night, and I can't tell you one word that any of those those guys said. But that hard. 
I was just in another, almost another dimension. Like I was there, it was almost an outer body experience. Like I was there, but I wasn't there. And I was just convicted all night long. Hmm. And I'll never forget when we got done that night, it was about nine o'clock central time, which my, my wife in Mississippi will cook on the same time. I got back to the hotel and I called her and I was telling her, I mean, I was just sobbing, like I was a mess. And I was telling her about how sorry I was and I was about you know, all these things I had done wrong and, and I, I just, just spilled my heart to her. And um, her response, and I bless her soul because she's put up with a lot out of me, she introduces us as hey I'm Evie Wally and these are my four kids they range from 50 to 20 so mm -hmm. I'm used to it by now but she said are you on something are you smoking something are you, are wow. you drunk I'm like what are you talking about she goes you there's something wrong with you mm -hmm. I remember telling her I said no for once in my life there's nothing wrong with me wow. everything is right and I couldn't I could not get home fast enough to, to let everybody know about you know the transformation, I'll, I'll never forget. Immediately, I bargained with God. I said, "Look, because the last night, of course, you know they they have the huge altar calling their yeah. thousand men down there at this altar, and I I remember bargaining with God. I said, God, I I don't want want to walk tonight. I want to be at. I want to be in church when it happens." I want to be back at my home church. Gotcha. And I gotcha. could not. That was on a, that was a Thursday, Friday, Saturday. We drove back, got in at like 3.30 in the morning, and I was up at 6.30 or 7 o'clock that morning. Just couldn't wait to get. I was dressed and ready to go to church like <laughs> two hours. <laughs> so you guys hurry up. What, what you guys waiting on? <laughs> Come on. another situation to where I was out of body, I guess, because I could not tell you one word that the pastor preached on that Sunday. You were just like ready I, to give that, your life. I was so zoned in to knocking somebody out of the way and running to the altar. Because, oh you know, that's how we do it down here in the South. You know, you got to sit through the whole thing before you can actually go down to the altar. Mm -hmm. so, so anyway, and as soon as he opened the altar, I almost beat him to the altar. Amen. And I just told him everything that was going on, and I told him about what happened. And, of course, he and I were big friends. I mean, he was—he had been working on me for a while because he saw—he uh, saw something in me I didn't see. That me. you didn't see. That's right. Well, he was like I said, just a little side story. I like gotcha. I don't know how many listeners actually want to hear that, but it's. Oh um, no, that that that's awesome, brother. Because Promise Keepers, um, I used to go to the one and they would have in Atlanta, and one time they had us to take off their shoes. Um, because we were standing on holy ground, brother. It ain't. It's nothing like having fifty to sixty thousand men just praise God. I've never. It breaks my heart. It's no longer around. But I've never experienced anything like that. With that said, uh, William, give people how they can um, uh, get in contact with you. How they can listen to your your podcast. And uh, we're going to get ready to get out of here, my friend. Sounds like a winner, man. Hey, I appreciate you giving me time to be on here today. And I've thoroughly enjoyed my conversation. I now have a new friend in South Carolina, so. Um, you can reach me. Uh, my personal Facebook account is William Wallace. Uh, it'll be Columbia, Mississippi. I'll be the, uh, my profile picture will be a good-looking, bald-headed guy. Uh, my actual, I have a Facebook page called World of Wally. Um, and then you'll see our little World of Wally logo, our current season logo. Um, I'm on Instagram at World of Wally underscore official. You also can reach me there. And uh, like I said, I've got a lot of my contact information on there. My, I've even got my uh, cell phone contact on, uh, I think it's on Instagram. If you just feel like you want to call me and talk to me, that's, I, bro, I will take time with anybody that wants to talk to me about anything. Um, my podcast, like I said, is World of Wally, and we are everywhere. Uh, podcasts can be heard. Uh, everything from Apple Podcasts and Spotify to iHeartRadio to, I mean, I'm even on some of the smaller ones like Stitcher. So pretty much anywhere you check, you'll be able to find uh, World of Wallace. So. Amen. Amen. Well, it's been a pleasure having you, my friend. Like I said, you're one of my uh, guilty pleasures. I really enjoy your podcast myself. And, you know, as, as we get ready to, to uh, end our conversation, I, I want to say, um, uh, as you 
get ready for another endeavor. And as you get ready to go into another season of your podcast, we wish you well and we pray God's greatest grace on you. Praying for you, my brother. Amen. Amen. Um, dear hearts, um, as William was talking, um, you know how the Holy Spirit just erupts things in you as we get ready to close. I won't, won't, he was talking about TikTok and how as believers, we can say one thing and then when we are faced with the gospel, it erupts something in us that is our flesh. And, and this is what I want, if we get ready to leave, this is what I want you to, to think about. If I gave you a toolbox with all the tools in it, it has a hammers and it has uh, ball ping hammers, it has uh, uh, wrenches and all this other stuff in it. And I gave you a toolbox. The visionary will take the exact same tools and build with. The vandalist will take the exact same tools and tear something down. The gospel is a toolbox. You profess who you are in Christ. If you're a vandal, you'll, when, when presented with the toolbox, you'll try to tear down what people are trying to tell you or trying to share with you or try to correct you. But if you're a visionary, you will take the tools that are given to you and you will build on. Understand, to tear something down, take its force. That's why we get upset when our flesh is challenged. But to build something up takes strategy. We'll take that toolbox, blueprints, same tools, the exact same tools, different results. If you've been a vandal in your life, when presented with the gospel, you get offended. All it takes is turning how you see it. Become a visionary, not a vandal. As William was talking, uh, he's doing some great things. Please, you all, keep him in prayer. Being an evangelist, Jesus was an evangelist, and God knows he wasn't. He did speak in the temple, but he was an itinerant preacher. He, <laughs> being just stuck in the temple wasn't, wasn't what he did. He traveled from place to place and shared the gospel, visionary. He traveled from place to place and healed the sick visionary. He told the disciples in Matthew 28 what they should do. And they did it in Samaria and uttermost parts of the earth. Visionary. Same tools, different results. With that said, thank you all so much for being part of Moments of Grace. Remember, we love you. I want to ask you to continue to pray for our nation. Continue to pray for the show. Continue to pray for the host. I need it. And continue to pray for our guest. And remember, dear hearts, love God, love life. Keep the light on. We'll see you next time on Moments of Grace.